Welcome back to Live, Laugh, Lorazepam, Episode 3, Season 2. Today we have a really special guest with us, my good friend Rob Lee, um, and we're excited to talk to him about his experience with mental health and get a different perspective from uh, across the water in Wales. Hi, Rob. Welcome, Rob. Oh, wait, you're still muted. Sorry. <laughs> See? Not professional. So, funny, leading up to this, Rob and I were messaging back and forth about how we met, um, and neither of us could confirm exactly how that was and when that was and who it was that reached out first. Um, but for everyone listening, a uh, tiny backstory, Rob and I have actually never met in person, and we became friends through Twitter, um, which, of course, is like the cesspool of all of my craziest thoughts. So I'm sure you got like the best version of me possible. You stuck around? <laughs> he did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't sound so enthused, okay? Come on. Twitter Abby I mean, it's 50-50. Twitter Abby is scary. I know. I get fired up. It's allowed. You get fired up in real life too. That's true. All right. Um, but I did want to say, yes, we messaged each other at some point after, I don't know, finding each other online and following, and then thus became a lovely friendship, and we've bonded over, like, our own mental health, like, struggles, and reached out to each other when we're having trouble, Um, and it's been a wonderful friendship that we've had for what? I would say, oh my god, like, three years? Four years? Three, four, something like that? Wow. Yeah, it's a while now, Um, and when I tell my mom, like, oh, my friend on Twitter... You know how that sounds to anyone over, you know, a certain age. She's like, you've never met this stranger? I was like, well, we talk all the time and I've seen his face. Like, I know he's real. <laughs> hey, we're friends now. We're Instagram friends. So, yeah, you can exactly. say Julie's friends, too. Share the wealth. <laughs> Rob's my big supporter on Instagram. <laughs> I enjoy I love when I see your name pop up and you've commented on one of my stories. I'm like, yes, new friend. I like that. Yeah. Can I have a little badge? <laughs> yeah, I listen. I will have her make you a badge because she can. <laughs> I can. Yes, I will ship it. Um, so Rob, why don't you give us a little intro on like who you are, um, what you do for work, and sort of what made you say yes to joining us on this mental health yeah, podcast? Why did you agree to talk to us, crazy, <laughs> crazy people? Hey, I'm Rob. I'm uh, clinging on to my last few days of my twenties. I'm a support worker. I work with uh, highly vulnerable autistic adults. Um, yeah, and I, I was completely bullied into doing this this <laughs> podcast. Um, I was I was threatened. Uh, everything came out. Um, no, I, I thought it'd be I thought it'd be good to just just do it. Just have a talk. Just. Um, encourage guys to be a bit more open about what's going on upstairs you know i love that yeah when abby told me that you said yes and want to be on like i was like yes that's awesome because like my list has all been women and getting the guys perspective is huge yeah it really is and an outside perspective too i think a lot of the people we've been asking have been kind of new england based in the u.s um and so you're like our first person outside of the u.s who we get to talk to about what mental health supports are available beyond what we know. Um, So let's start with our first question, which is like, what has your experience been with mental health? And like, how do you cope with some of the stressors in your life? Um, So I was, I've had a, not a battle, I guess. I've been struggling for four or five years, maybe. Um, I was properly diagnosed um as depressed uh back in october just gone with other with a couple sort of uh reaching outs a few years prior um where it wasn't actually diagnosed as such um so yeah i that's so yeah it was good to finally get someone to diagnose it and put me on the right course um Dealing with it, 
I used to I used to actually drink a bit. Not I wasn't an alcoholic or anything, but there would be there would be times where I just go and just have a couple of glasses of rum just frequently. Um, because you know I'm part pirate. Um, <laughs> it's a pirate coping skill. Of course it is. Um, Many people use that coping skill. Yeah, um, and then it's I've I'm very heavily invested in playing Pokemon Go. It gets me out, gets me some exercise, and it levels up my dork. So you know, <laughs> just heavily invested in Pokemon things, and then it's it's just. It's just spending time with with the family, with the kids, just kind of trying to not let what's going on with me affect the kids. Mm. And I feel like being around kids like forces you to sort of be in the moment. Yeah, I mean, there's there's days where it slips. Um, For sure. And you can't can't keep them away. Um, but yeah, for the most part, and then I end up just using the baby as like a comfort blanket. <laughs> I, I do that with my niece and my nephew. I'm like, I am I'm battling something today. I was like, I just need the kids around. Uh, their comfort does yeah. a lot. Just their stuff. It's all right. It's all right until he gives up and like headbutts me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> that was that. Their heads are hard. Yeah. Man. Oh yeah, it's right. It's always right on the nose as well. Yeah. <laughs> so you had mentioned um in what you just said you mentioned you had reached out for a a good amount of time before you saw someone is that typical like does it take a long time to get in to see someone and get diagnosed and get help um i think the first time i probably um reached out asking for help was um 2019 probably um I spoke to my GP, um, they were talking through it, and I think whatever it was, nothing materialized, I kind of just plodded along. Um, and then, uh, yeah, like I said, I went, I think it was September, October time last year. Um, I had a moment of clarity where I properly dipped, and I was like, the next day, I got myself into the GP, um, spoke to him, um, had a little bit breakdown in his office, like, and then he was just, he prescribed me something straight away, um, recommended, um, putting me forward to, um, positive mentoring. It's not quite counseling. Um, just, a an overly cheery fella, just kind of trying to, trying to talk me through things and doing workbooks with me and um trying to direct my thinking into a different different manner like giving some positive coping skills kind of um but it was literally like workbooks and self-assessment and um sort of doing questionnaires and ranking yourself on whatever issues or whatever questions he's coming up with um yeah, and I didn't really get on with that very well because um, it was all on the phone as well. Um, they were scheduled appointments every week and he was just sort of, you know, when you, someone's too overly cheery, oh, it's yeah. just <laughs> unnecessary. Yeah, you're like, um, this is not what I'm here for, for you to be just smiling the entire time and happy, happy days. Yeah, it's like... He's like, oh, we could do this. You could do this. And I'm just like, no, no, just, just no. <laughs> um, so, I think I probably would have preferred, um, maybe like group sessions or something like that. Um, I think the one-on-one is, um, it leaves you very open. Yeah, I mean, especially with someone who's. I mean, like, I, I do one-on-one therapy with, like, a licensed therapist, but, like, I don't think I'd do well with... What What were they, What was his title called? Uh, positive um, Mentor something. Positive Mentor. I yeah, know. that's definitely not something no, that I know of here. Yet. I think it would be more like a, a social worker. Um, but I find that funny. But so do... 
they offer groups or is it all one-on-one? Um, I think they can offer it because um, the guy who phoned me was um, in conjunction with a, a UK charity called Mind. I don't know if that's a thing over, oh. over there. No, I've never heard of that. Okay, so Mind is a UK-based charity then um, that focuses on mental health, especially. Um, They have loads of of pop-ups and set-ups throughout the country um, to support people through various levels of mental health. Um, So yeah, this guy was like a counsellor, but not a counsellor. Yeah. It was was easier when explaining it just to say, yeah, I'm He's a counselor. I get that. And that actually um, kind of segues into our next question. Um, have you noticed uh, like a big difference um, in British versus American attitudes towards mental health, at least from listening to us and like seeing things on TV? And uh, like what you were just talking about support and what's available for you. Um, I'd say we're probably behind you guys. Um, I think obviously there's a big uh, drive over there with therapy with talking to counselors talking to even if you don't need it and you're in a decent frame of mind quite a lot of people from the general consensus that i've seen is they still go they still talk things out um so they're always kind of ready i suppose um whereas here i think like there is still a, a Britishness to to <laughs> mental health, and it's kind of not not quite the stiff upper lip, but it's just harder to address the issues. And yeah, and the the other problem is like our our healthcare system's on its knees. Um, it's been run down, underfunded, understaffed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. So things are kind of put to the wayside which has seemed less important um and then there's i don't think there's as much funding into the mental health side of things at the moment Mm, interesting so do you think that the like younger generations are more open to talking about mental health in the uk as opposed to older generations there or do you think it's still hush hush still hush hush sort of throughout i don't think it's hush hush um i think it's just awkward um where i think i i know full well that people similar to my age um and younger than me are a lot more willing to be open about it um to seek seek what they need um speaking to colleagues at work who are both 19 or whatever um and they're both actively talking about their own struggles, their own um, diagnosis and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's becoming more more open and more accessed, and people are being a bit more um, liberal with being honest, I guess. Hmm. Interesting. No, so this is just I'm bringing this to like television shows here. If there's like any like mental health topic that's touched in a show which usually there's like a honestly like a trigger warning before an episode and then at the end of an episode there's always like a support line um whether it be about self-harm um suicide prevention and domestic violence, domestic violence. Yeah. do you guys have warnings like that on your on your um, entertainment i'll be honest i don't really watch terrestrial tv i'm just stuck on netflix um, <laughs> okay okay i got it um for the for the most part yeah there is some form of uh yeah, scenes which might offend and there is if it is a really uh deep storyline there's normally a contact detail or something okay oh interesting okay so still the same Similar like us, yeah trying to offer the same supports but i wonder also if that's because like tv nowadays with streaming services is more is everywhere it, yeah it's everywhere like i mean you just said you listen you watch netflix although i've heard that netflix and like your streaming services at, like are different depending on your location there was, yeah, UK Netflix like, is crap. <laughs> do you use like a VPN to do like France or Germany or UK no, or US? I just can't be bothered with the hassle. <laughs> I just stick with whatever's on. That's hilarious. I uh, want all the Australian shows. 
They have some good stuff. Oh, they do have some good stuff. Yeah, I have to wait. Apparently, Canadian the Canadian Netflix is the one to go. Oh, okay. Well, we just have to drive a few hours. Let's go. Wait, if I log into my Netflix while I'm in Canada, mm-hmm. am I going to get the U.S. or am I going to get the Canadian Netflix? I think it's based on like where you're getting your Wi-Fi. This is very off topic, but I am very into this and I need to go to Canada to right. find out. <laughs> All right, we'll take a trip. Um, yeah, we're actually really close. Yeah, if you want, if you come over here, we can just you can drive, drive there you up. <laughs> under just six hours. Just sitting over Niagara Falls, just like, oh, this show's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Niagara Falls is beautiful, as long as you're on the Canadian side. The U.S. side? Trash. Absolute trash. Well, thank God we don't have I a lot of I think it's the U.S. side. Yeah, <sighs> it's, so, it's pretty. You can still see it, but, like, the Canadian side is... They take care of it better. They take care of it better, but also it's kind of like... I don't know. I feel like I am in vacation land, and oh. it's it's just fun. There's like more stuff to do. It's prettier. You get closer. I mean, for the record, I've never been to Canada. Ever. And we're like what? You how how many Canada. hours? Four. Depend. No, like five, six. Five hours. Five to six. I was really close. I was on the edge of Vermont recently, and my cellular you could have touched it. Thing was like you're in Canada now, and we were like half an hour away. So I was like, we got to go, we got to go. Because if I didn't have my passport, I wouldn't have been able to come back. Um, that would have been rough. <laughs> Maybe we'll do a road trip episode and Abby and I are just going to drive to Canada. <laughs> um, all right, you want to hit with the next question? Yeah. Because so, my brain's not working. <laughs> so um, do you feel that there is like a stigma around masculinity and mental health particularly? Um, yeah, I think it's... A, it's um shrinking like most things when um when it gets more attention i think it's harder for guys of a certain age to reach out and be vulnerable um it's harder it's hard enough when when you open up to a partner family whoever and you're saying look i'm struggling um let alone a stranger um so like I, for instance, I was, I spoke to Zoe and I was like, that's, that's my wife, by the way. Um, I spoke to her and I was like, I'm struggling. I really need help. Um, but I couldn't bring myself to text like my parents to do that. Mm. Um, and there's been a couple of events where I've been, where I've shut myself away for a few days. Just, I couldn't go to work, couldn't do anything. I, I shut off couldn't it was weird that i couldn't um let them know it's strange no i kind of relate to that though i mean i think there's a lot of shame that accompanies like mental health and especially when you're in the the thick of it when you're deep and dark in it and you don't have clarity in that moment to be like okay i need to talk to someone or like i shouldn't feel shame you just i personally i felt a lot of shame over it so like talking to my husband about it was you know, hard enough, but then trying to explain that to my parents who don't take Tylenol because they don't fully believe in like medicine sometimes. What, what's Tylenol? Oh, it's oh, like, um, wasted on me. acetaminophen. Um, it's an over counter, like pain relievers. Yeah. Like if you have a headache or I bumped my arm. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. So anyways, it's just a brand name that we use, but okay, cool. so my, my parents, like my, this joke that we have is my dad cuts them in half. Like you can take a full dose for an adult is two. It doesn't do anything to you. It's just a pain reliever, fever reducer when you're hurt. My dad cuts them in half because he's like, oh no, too much medicine's bad for you. I don't believe in it. So when I did not know that he did that. Oh yeah. So when I got diagnosed and I was put on like daily medication um, that has some wild side effects, uh, you know, my, I, my parents took a while at first it was hard to tell them like I've been diagnosed with depression and then second of all it was hard to get them to understand why I was taking medication for it because the diagnosis was one thing and they were like okay a dog you've talked to a doctor but then the the medication they were like are there other ways to handle it and you know what like I'd been in a dark place for a long time I had been trying to handle it my own way and it wasn't working but I hadn't told them that like they didn't know that I was in such a dark place because I had been hiding it from them, from all of like the shame I was feeling. And so I, I remember just like talking to Phil about it. It was relieving to get it off my chest and be honest with him 
knowing that he loved me and, you know, was going to continue loving me. But my parents was like, oh, my God, that was so much harder. That was really hard to talk to them about. And I, I think it has a lot to do with, like, their perception of mental health, too. And so I'm not, I'm not surprised that you experienced sort of a similar thing. And I think because I knew what their their um, reaction would be, uh, not like shocked or anything or shame or whatever else, but I knew the first point of call and the first question that the way they would ask is, am I suicidal? Am I thinking of hurting myself? Am I whichever? And it was never, ever to the extent of that bad. But obviously the thoughts like cross sort of very regularly, mm-hmm. but you let but without acting on it, it's just dark thoughts because you're in a dark place. Mm. Um, I'd never, I never would have said that I was in any way looking to hurt myself or anything like that. Um, I think that's the big thing that people kind of don't differentiate. Like as soon as someone says, oh, I'm depressed, they're like, oh, stay away from sharp things or something like that. And you're just oh, like, oh yeah. The immediate reaction of, oh, are you gonna hurt yourself versus- Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, can I, can I be around you? Am I safe to be around you? Cause don't want to deal with that. And you're just like, no, I'm just sad. You're like, I'm reaching out now and telling you this and asking for help so I don't get to that point. But it is, yeah, a lot of people like, when you tell them, they automatically think you're at the end, like the (laughs) end stage of depression, which I think everyone is. I think a lot of people assume like, oh, you went and got help because it got that bad. Like, I think there's a stigma against, like like you said, I mean, in the U.S., we, you know, people are going to therapy and they're not in a terrible place. Like it's becoming, hopefully, my hope is, that it's becoming like destigmatized and more normalized in which you don't have to be so far down the rabbit hole to ask for help. But for a lot of people, that's like their automatic thought is like, well, if you needed a doctor and medication, then it must be really, really bad. It must be all the way to like the, the farest level. When in reality, like, there's so many degrees in between fine and in a dark place or in, like, thinking those thoughts um, that you should be able to ask for help. I'm sorry, because, like, I remember when I was talking to you and I was saying, like, when I was diagnosed and things, that I felt like after listening to sort of your first two, three episodes of, of this, I almost felt like a fraud in a way like listening to your stories because it was like so much worse and so much more dramatic than mine where I was just like I'm just sad and empty and just a little bit broken I suppose but then I was like it almost felt like I needed to sort of amp my story up and make it more dramatic or more uh interesting I don't know no I one I want to hug you right now and I wish I could <laughs> bring oh. it out Oh, virtual that was hugs. Gross, gross sweat patch. That was, that was uh, a bad idea. It's all good. <laughs> it was me, me on you. <laughs> um, but yeah, no one ever, you don't talk about the different stages mm. of depression. And you never, I hope you know, you never have to amp your story up. And your story is your story. And you reach out for help, which is the most important part. Um, if... I had been able to reach out earlier. I would like I would have been where you are. Right? Um, and my story wouldn't be as I'd say dramatic or so many different, <laughs> so many different paths that my story has gone down. Um, but you were able to reach out before that, and I think that's huge. And like that's why we do this is to hope to get other people to reach out and ask for help before they hit rock bottom or have to face many different battles that they would if they didn't reach out and I think there's like an automatic I think as humans we have a tendency to like compare ourselves to other people and like like oh well they they have it worse so I can't complain but the truth is like like okay yes someone else is always going to have it worse someone else is always going to have it better but that doesn't mean that what you're feeling in that moment isn't like 100% valid and deserving of getting support and help from someone and so like I think that's the thing that people mess up with mental health looking from the outside in is that there's so many different levels and each level, no matter where you are, whether you're experiencing a dark day once a year or a month, or even if it's just 
like, I don't know, a period in your life that you're going through, or if you're at the other end of the spectrum and really, really need serious help, at all of those levels, like, your feelings are valid and you deserve to get help. And so there's, like, this, this, I don't know, I totally understand where you're coming from about the comparison thing, because I think I did the same in the beginning, too. Like, what? like I'm, I thought the same. I'm broken. Why can't I just, like, pull through this? Uh, my life is going well. Like I have all these things in my life. Like why? What do I have to be sad about? It's like it's not rational. None of it is rational. <laughs> no, your brain's not. When your brain is thinking that way, there's nothing you think is rational. No, not at all. But um, you were. Oh, I had a thought a few moments ago, and it left my head. Um, it was about reach. Oh, we don't like. Some people don't reach out until they're in the darkest spot. And then there's all that work to do to get them back to a good spot. Mm -hmm. And if we get more people to be in therapy and talk to, even do group therapy and talk to anyone in the beginning stages or even before, there's less work. To, like, there's still work, and, but it's preventative versus yeah. going back and erasing all your bad coping skills um, and doing all that work. So if we can stop it ahead of time, it's it'll save lives. Yeah. My, I, so my therapist right now calls it your, your like coping toolkit. And she's, I meet with her once a week, every Wednesday, Julie and I have therapy on the same day. And we like to text afterwards and be like, how was it for you? That's adorable. <laughs> I cried today to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I got really angry today. How about you? Um, but she calls it your like coping toolkit. And when we first started, I thought she was going to tell me like, stop doing this, start doing this and like give me more direction and tell me I was doing something because I felt like I was doing things wrong. And her first thing she said to me was like, I'm not going to remove anything from your toolkit. You drink too much coffee. She calls it panic juice. She's like, but that's a, a coping mechanism you have because you don't sleep well because that's something you're dealing with as well. She's like, so instead of removing that, I'm just going to suggest you add something on. Try to go to bed half an hour earlier. Drink a glass of water when you wake up. And she's like, and we'll add onto your toolkit until the tools that are working for you and are positive and healthy outweigh the tools that are not. And then slowly when you're ready, you can make the choice to remove the coping mechanisms that aren't healthy for you. I mean, I think- Oh, I like her. I, she's great. I love her. She sounds awesome. Um, in grad school, I drank a lot of wine. It's, I never drank alcohol in my life, pretty much. I drank in college. Then I stopped drinking for like five years. I didn't have a sip of alcohol. And then grad school hit and suddenly I was like, I need a bottle of wine a week, um, if not more. And that was so much for me. And I realized that it was a really bad habit because I would get overwhelmed and the first thing I would reach for was wine. And in like comparison to previous years, I had never, ever done that. But eventually I realized like, okay, I have to, I have to create or try to find a different coping mechanism. And so I think, I think we all work towards adding to our toolkit before we remove things from our toolkit and that's oh, okay you absolutely need to just not drink wine wine hangovers suck <laughs> and they wine. do also wine i've never been a fan oh, it's like wine. bubbly it's essentially i would love prosecco and it's uh, oh i do like it's prosecco. seltzer water wine okay like <laughs> I, um, I had a really good drink last weekend it was prosecco saint germain and soda water and it was it sounds bah. delicious it was so good. Sorry. I bet I, get, I bet I gave you some serious burps, though. <laughs> no, so so I don't have one on me right now. I am constantly drinking seltzer water, so I'm a just constant bubble. So I'm, I don't burp that much because I think my body is just like accepts all the air. I mean, I've been fighting it for like the last half an hour because I'm drinking a banana milkshake and it's not agreeing with me. So <laughs> I, uh, if you need me to mute you, just let me know. <laughs> I might just commit to it. Do it. I can also edit it out later if you don't want it in there. But wait, just did you say it's the sound bite of the show? <laughs> did you say banana milkshake? Mm. Yeah, that sounds bomb. Yeah, that sounds great. We're going. Is that not a thing over there? I no, I don't think so. I don't so. know if I've ever had like I've done like a banana smoothie. Maybe, yeah, a banana but... smoothie. Is it like what is in yours? It's like banana milkshake powder and milk. Oh, oh, powder. Powder. Oh. No, I have no. Instant mix. You just slap it in and just add some milk and give it a swaz. Okay, we definitely don't have that. If we do, we don't know about it. I'll do like a frozen banana ice, peanut butter, and oh, almond heck milk. Yeah. Heck yeah. But yes. we don't have banana powder. 
Okay, wait. It's so... a Nesquik thing, so it's brilliant. It's oh. Nesquik? Yeah. Oh, and it's a mil- so it's not ice cream milkshake. It's it's banana Got milk. It. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes more sense. That now. makes way more sense. So, I don't know if we have wait, banana. So Rob and I have talked about this before that we have to do like swap boxes of uh, snacks do it. that you can't get elsewhere. And um, he sent me so many names of snacks and food that I'm like, what in the holy heck is that? I have no idea. But That's I want to try it so bad. One of the ones was when you um, when you watched an episode of Bake Off and you're like. <laughs> Why have you guys got so many things for pudding? I still, I still don't understand, and and we still watch Bake Off. But every episode, I'm like, God, it's pudding back episode. Like, I don't understand what's happening. Is it going to be baked? Is it going to have meat? Is it a pastry? Is it, like, what is it? I have a question now, thinking about snacks, and then we can go back to you know mental health. But I want to <laughs> ask this: Is there a certain U.S. snack that you really want to try that you haven't? Um. I don't know. I think the classics, like, I think it's more funny the other way around because, like, most of your guys' snacks are, like, really sweet or just really obvious flavors, whereas ours are just kind of mental. <laughs> like, I tried to explain him um, Marmite to Abby. It, oh, it's don't... impossible to explain. I still have no idea. And the consensus on Google was you either love it or you hate it. I There's hate no it. In between. That's literally the tagline. Um, <laughs> I've had it. Don't try it. No, I'm definitely gonna try it on toast. Yeah, you need to you need to proportion the butter though. Like too much is a bad thing, but if you've got the right amount of butter, the right amount of marmite, even better when you put a boiled egg on top of it. Oh, my sister's best friend lives in Australia, and he came home with some, and he like just put it on like a toothpick for us basically. In oh veggie mite. Oh veggie mite. Am I thinking of something different? I am. What are you talking about? What's the difference? Marmite. Marmite's basically the same. Okay. Yes, that's what I'm... T- well, I'll try yours. If it's the same thing, I'm going to hate it, but I'll try it. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. I mean, I want to try all the weird Wait, do you food. have... Is fairy toast a, a thing for you, or is that Australia? What's fairy toast? Fairy toast is butter and sprinkles. <laughs> and that sounds great. <laughs> it's butter and sprinkles on toast. That sounds like diabetes. <laughs> I mean, everything in the U.S. doesn't surprise us. It's not a U.S. thing. Though we have cinnamon toast. Cinna- you oh, put, my gosh. We cinnamon do and sugar on toast. And, white and bread, butter. Yeah. butter, and then sugar and cinnamon. Just and, sprinkled on top. Oh, that was my favorite thing as a kid growing up. Dude, I still eat it. <laughs> so good. If Ty's over, I'm just like, I can make that for you and me. I think, like... 50% of my diet is like macaroni and cheese, like box macaroni and cheese. Um, and I, someday when we have kids, maybe I'm knocking on wood. Like, I think I'm already prepared because I already eat like a toddler. So <laughs> I, I think about this all the time. I'm like, I'm actually training right now uh, for if I ever become a parent later on because I, <laughs> carrots and little dip and uh, mac and cheese yeah, and peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> I pulled... If it's any consolation, my blood type's pizza. So. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Do you do pineapple on pizza, or have you ever had yes. it? Yes. Okay. okay, just checking. Do you like it? Of course. Oh. Now, what do you like pineapple? Oh, pizza? yeah, we love pineapple pizza. Okay, because, well, like, like... Hawaiian pizza? This is a big dating app thing. Like, I always see it on, like, prompts. It's like, change my mind about pineapple on pizza, because I hate it. I'm like, have you even tried it? Or like, also, if you don't like it, that's fine. I'm not a monster, so like, you can like it or not like it. So, like, <laughs> now that's what I want. I know I really want pizza now. I, we should no, have we're going, eaten before this. <laughs> we're going after this. We're going to get bubble tea. <gasps> yes. And then we're gonna go to this place called Mochi Nut, which is Mochi Donuts, and they have those con- those Korean corn dogs. <gasps> well, they're actually rice dogs. It's a. It is a, it can be half mozzarella stick, half hot dog in this rice powder, and then you can have it regular, or you can have it covered in potatoes, or covered in ramen, (laughs) or covered in hot Cheetos. Ramen? Hot Cheetos? Yeah. Oh my god. I'm so excited. (laughs) I need to know. It's Sunday, so let me check what time they're open till. But this place is amazing. All right, Rob, if you ever come out this way, that's where we're going (laughs) I think there's an endless list of things that I need to try over there, so <laughs> I'll add it on the mental list. There's an endless amount of stuff I need to try over here. Yeah, there's just too much. The U.S. is ginormous. Wait, so have you come to the U.S. a few times, right? I've been over once when I was 11. Oh, you're a baby. 
I was, yeah. Um, yeah, nine or 11. And I stayed with um, my nan's second cousin once removed. And she was <laughs> a lunatic. Um, genuinely, completely mental. What's, um, what state did you stay in? Uh, I, I think it was actually New York. Um, she lived in a town called Binghamton. Binghamton? I don't know. I mean, it sounds familiar, but I'm not familiar. But also, with you said you went York. to the New York side of Niagara Falls, so it makes sense. I think it was, but it was also 20 odd years ago, so <laughs> I've lost a lot of brain cells since then. Same. Well, it's funny you say this because you have a poster behind you, right? For NYC. I was like, is this product um, placement? What's uh, going on? <laughs> Zoe's just obsessed with New York and just random decoration, but a nice little crossover so. you need to come to new york and i mean come to boston and then we'll i'll go with you to new york because if you talk about food oh my god it's yeah. so good because we're what it's an hour train or how many hours i don't there? i don't drive you drive yeah well, how long's the drive four hours if with traffic because you can take the like super super fast train and i think it's only mm, two hours or so or something but the food oh my god i'm i need to go back I'm really upset my walk is in D.C. this year because I want New York. I went <laughs> twice this year to New York, and I the food's just so good. I haven't been since college, actually. All right, we're going Empanada Mamas. Oh, uh, they make the best acai bowls at Fresh From Hell. I'm just going to keep Fresh talking. I know. I'm so hungry now. Wait, okay. We need to get back to the topic. <laughs> yeah, <what>? um, <laughs> this is 20 minutes of unusable stuff. No, like, no, so no. We'll keep it. Our listeners. Actually, though, we probably gave... Everyone else is pausing the episode as they're listening to, get food. It, to go get food and then come back to finish it. Their head with um, the mochi nut. So we had been talking about the stigma around masculinity and mental health. Like, I wanted to know from you as, like, a father and a husband, sort of, like, how has your perception of mental health changed in relation to like your relationship with your kids or your wife or how you approach mental health in general? Um, it was kind of hard. Um, I'm all up for being directly honest, but my eldest is six. So mm. I've got to be careful as, as to how I did it. And when I, when I uh, sought help in October, all I said was, that I'm just sad. And that was the easiest way I could do it. Uh, and obviously my my baby's only 18 months and he's <laughs> oblivious and just headbutts me anyway. So doesn't really care how I feel. You're sad um, and whack. Do you think though yeah, that you have you're... another one, be sad again. <laughs> I, I like the way you said that though, is just the word sad when they're that young. I think that's the best way because it's, it's an emotion they understand. Yeah, and I think my follow-up question was going to be around, like, I feel like the you tailored it to your daughter's age and understanding of that emotion. And then I feel like since you're so honest and, like, open about your own experience, like, as she gets older, do you plan to be, like, open about that as well so that she feels open to talk about it herself? Um, I, I'll be honest, I haven't given it much thought. Um... It depends on on the situation. Um, it's easy to say, yeah, I'll be open. I can be. Yeah. But if if I'm better, um, and she's forgotten about it, what's the point? Mm. But it is what it is. And bear in mind when when she becomes of an age where it could become an issue for her as well. That, that could be like 10 years down the line. Mm. Things could be so much, so much improved down here as well. It's very true. That's so true. I think, um, also, I think when we're in a better place, sometimes it's hard to remember sort of like the lessons we learned from when we were in a dark place. And so like, I know at least for myself, when I'm in a better place, I'm like, oh, I'm fine. Everything's fine. I'm totally fine. I don't even need, I don't need therapy. I don't need to take medication. I'm totally fine. And then fine. I yell at her and say, yes, she do. <laughs> Julie's like, hey, uh. If you ever told me you were way. stopping therapy, I would lose <laughs> my shit at you. Well, because I, I think it's a common thing that once you think that the problem is solved, okay, the work is done. And with mental health, that's not how it works. Like, it's a the, constant. You might feel better, job. but that you still need to keep working at it. But I think sometimes it's important. Like when I'm in a dark place, I write down 
what I'm feeling or why I'm feeling in that moment. And then when I look back on it, when I'm in a better place, sometimes it's shocking to be like, whoa, I like, like my brain is protecting me by making me forget what I felt in that moment at that time. And looking back is important to remember like, oh, you know, that was a really rough time. I'm in a much better place and I'm happy about it. But I, I also like need to remember like where I was then and how serious it was. Cause I think it's so easy to brush it under the rug when we feel better. And then it creeps up and it's like, I'm hey. interested in myself. Cause like, I remember there was a weekend where I went back home to visit my folks and all. We went out and there was loads of pictures. And I remember when I came back, that was when I signed off work for like three days. Cause I was just confined to my bed. So I see all these pictures of like this weekend and everyone together and all. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that was the weekend where I snapped. That was good. <laughs> yeah. And then I like looking back on all these photos, like, oh yeah. It's like just and you're like, yeah, yeah like it brings you back. But yeah, I can do that. Well, because it's pictures. layered with what you were feeling in that moment. Like, I I look at some pictures of like events that I did, or if I worked something. First of all, I don't remember a lot of it because I was so out of my freaking mind. Um, Yo, memory issues yeah. and mental health is like going to be a whole podcast episode in its own. It's going to be a whole season. I, there's like blanks in my memory, but I remember how horrible I felt. And so I don't remember even like the weekend with my friends. I just remember like trying not to cry or how like horrible I felt leaving or in my car or like needing to be alone for a little bit. I cannot put into words that would truly put how I felt when I was suicidal like I can I cannot like I can't comprehend it right now because I'm not there like I know how shitty it was like I can give a general description but my brain I think it's it's a one of my tools it like shuts it off that I can't think about even like how did I get there yeah what was was that exact feeling like like I my brain shuts off it's like no you're not allowed to think about that (laughs) I don't know why I'm doing robot hands. No, but it's protecting you. Your brain is protecting you. Yeah, and it's like, and I, and I talk about it. And I mean, we have a mental health podcast, and I talk about my mental health enough, and it's like I'm not afraid to talk about it, and I will continue to talk about it, but, like, the feeling, like, it's not something I can comprehend. Yeah. But then when I get really bad, like, when I do fall back, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm like, this is what I forgot. It's a slippery slope, too. Yep. What's the next question on the list? Um, we got to the end of our questions, and then it just says free talk. <laughs> That's what I wrote free down. Talk. I think we've done the free talk. We can we continue. Did that earlier, we? we can still Actually, talk. Actually, what that should have said is just talk about food for <laughs> 20 minutes. <laughs> Wait, so actually, one question we didn't ask you at the beginning that I meant to was... Um, Why are you friends with Abby? I'm just kidding. Well, that is a great question. We actually did that. <laughs> no. Um, how... But she PayPal's me every month. <laughs> I'm one of those super followers on Twitter. You get paid? (laughs) I don't get paid to sit here with her. Uh, That's unfortunate. You need to renegotiate your contract. I know. You and I are going to have to talk (laughs) after this. I need to know what you're getting paid. Pay equity, y'all. In your line of work, which sounds like a very stressful line of work, like how do you deal with the stress of the job? Um, Well... I dealt with the stress by stepping down from his team leader. Um, uh, and then I like, we got to be, we deal with various levels of severity, um, individuals who require more, uh, in-depth attention, if you like. Mm. Um, and there's one who I who is the most challenging who I now don't work with because she just hated me so that's immediately relieved like any form of stress I had about going in because I was like I'd still work with her I'd still do a job I'd know that it'd be a difficult shift whereas now I don't need to worry about that because they were all like for their best interest and yours we're just gonna just shift you off I was like cool I'm not gonna fight that one yeah um but yeah I like not to kind of sound arrogant or anything I've been there for five years I know what I'm doing I very rarely get difficult shifts because I know the people that I'm looking after so Mm. 
I don't really I just sit around quite a lot and watch TV so I you have your routine yeah and like the experience you've gotten over years of doing the work probably like I imagine like coming into that job like day one was probably way more stressful than years down the road now oh it was so wet behind the ears like I was so so naive I've never heard that before really never oh, oh I have really I haven't sorry <laughs> that's a saying I don't know Britishness 101 um, <laughs> another episode let's do it <laughs> um yeah I, I was like and like hats off to my colleagues who are like 18 19 20 who are doing this I was like nah I couldn't have done that 18 19 <laughs> I and I think being a dad kind of helped me do what I needed to do as well sort of um keeping boundaries in check sort of making sure the guys are not doing anything that's gonna put them in danger or anything mm. so yeah it's it it sounds worse than what it is and like i love explaining like the horror stories to people who work in offices because they're just oblivious mm -hmm. um so like i'm not gonna say any of the stories here because yeah no 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 not, not really suitable but really <laughs> funny for me because like these are like genuine sort of horror stories and people are like oh my god how do you do that on a day-to-day -day basis they're like not day-to-day -day. and just like it just makes it sound so much worse when like my friends are going ah oh, did a presentation today nailed it i was like <laughs> yeah that's not what my day was but i'm like oh i got an email from this person I, well it makes me think they? back to like our our interview with nicole and she works our good friend nicole works in the or and like cuts people open every you day. And I, were like, <laughs> I was so stressed during this interview because I'm like, how do you do that? I, it's like, that's a job I will never, ever, ever, ever understand how to do. Like I, I work from my computer and I work from my, my desk and my couch and I send emails and uh, I do Zoom calls and I don't ever have to scrub in and cut someone open or deal with like all the stressors that come with working with like people we chose very process. different stressors. Yes. Like uh, we actually talked about this in Nicole's episode. Like our jobs still have stress, but on like our level, just similar. We were saying levels of uh, depression have different stages. Like our jobs still have our stress because we're in it. Yeah, but for definitely sure. very different than yours. Uh -huh. Yeah, I mean, I can I mean, slam my laptop shut if I'm really exactly, pissed we off. Can, you can't sort of like walk away during a shift. Which brother? Um, like <laughs> no, I mean. Like there is genuinely a, an element of danger in my in my job. Like we're dealing with vulnerable adults who have the tendency to be violent. Um, mm. Not to sugarcoat it, there is there have been incidents where people have been hospitalised. People have been. I think one of the worst I had was I nearly broke my foot. Not through any violent, but someone picked up a radiator and dropped it on my foot. Oh my gosh! Ow! Ow. Damn. Yeah, my foot was a lovely shade of purple. Though, so, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it sounds like yeah, the the risks involve, are involved involved are are way different. I mean, like, hats off to you, by the way, for like I doing a awesome. job like that and keeping your cool and being able to handle like the stress of it. I don't think if we ever swapped a day in each other's shoes for work, I don't know if I would last. So. Abby would get thrown across the room. <laughs> Never mind a radiator getting thrown. Abby would just be like, Whoa. Um, Yeah, no, I couldn't. Like, you're, like, one, what you do is, is amazing to help people. Um, but, like, I couldn't do it. Like, I would love to help people if I could. Um, well, I don't... It's amazing you say that, that, the amount of people that say that and don't know until they actually get thrown in that situation where they're like, Oh yeah, this is just dealing with a person. Mm. Like, this is fine. It's until you until you actually try it, you don't actually know. Because we look at people who've been like prison guards or something, and you're yeah. like, oh, this guy's gonna be cool. He's gonna nail this job. Leaves in a day, got, and then you got someone who's like four foot two, just come out of school. You're like, yeah, all right, you're gonna last a minute, and then just it thrives. You you True. can't you can't call who's going to be crap or not at that job at all. Oh, that's so interesting. I'm um, just trying to picture I myself. I know, I'm like, like, I know, me too. So to sort of like wrap up 
um, our whole discussion, which I can't wrap up in one sentence because we've jumped all over the place, but for other people that are in stressful jobs or in stressful times in their lives in the UK, like, are there any supports that are available that you know of that are available for them to reach out to in case they need um, help? Like, a, like I said, speaking to uh, your GP is always the first point of call. Um, there are lots of charities which do provide help. I said Mind, um, Samaritans as well. Um, oh, Samaritans is over there too? I didn't know that. Woo, worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I know someone who works there, so I was like, oh. Um, yeah, there's always, there's always resources. And it's amazing how much you realize people are going through the same thing. Um, I think there's almost an an ignorance, if you like, where people don't realize that, oh, I know someone who else who's done that, or, mm. oh, yeah, you've done that, or you've gone through the same thing. I don't think enough people open up and realize. Yeah, that's You're so opening true. up now, though, and you're going to help people because you're, you're being so honest, and the more people that realize they're not alone is huge. Like, that's what saved my life. Mm-hmm. The hospital I was in, terrible. The group of people I met saved my life realizing i was not that you you feel crazy oh yeah and like like i knew you had experienced things so being able to have you as someone to text and be like i'm feeling this way and i don't know what the heck is going on and knowing that you could relate to it was huge for me because i didn't know anyone else like no one else told me oh yeah I, i struggle with depression and anxiety and here's how i handle it or like I'm seeing a doctor for it I knew no one else really in my life who was actually experiencing those things and I could talk to them openly about it it was like a handful of people so I think the more we talk about it the more we open avenues of like communication and support for each other Uh, yeah when I was diagnosed like I I spoke to you as well and then you kind of got really excited when we were on the same tablets which was kind of weird but you know. <laughs> I was like oh my god you take those meds me too <laughs> go, go, go team you were like this is a weird thing to be uh celebrating but okay <laughs> hell I got excited we have a med that like everyone in my family's on not everyone but the people who are on meds are on like the same one because <laughs> genetics is a huge thing when it comes mm-hmm. to finding a um depression and anxiety med that works for you we call it the family med so <laughs> Like I'm like down generation to generation. <laughs> Yo, lifesaver. When I found like they had never tried it on me before this drug, and then I found out like four people in my family were on it, and it worked for them. And I was like, Can I try this? Yeah. Well, I mean, the first thing they asked me was like, Is anyone else in your family on any anti-anxiety or anti-depression meds? And I was like, No, I don't think so. But then come to find out, like some were. And then we were all in the same thing because that's what worked best for our DNA. And then thankfully I was able to do that and not have to like, I think I tried one other med, but normally you have to jump between meds to meds to meds to meds to like try to see which one like fits you best and doesn't have any horrific side effects. Guys, I can't tell you how many different meds I've tried. Yeah, it's, I hate the trial and error thing. It's like six weeks of just feeling like crap to see if it works. And then you don't even really know. And they're like, you need to be on it for three months. And I'm like, how many times do I have to do that? So finding one in my family that like worked for others, I got on it. And it was like, oh, my God, it was so quick. It was like immediate. I was like, holy crap, I feel so much better. And they do. So I don't know if we've talked about this before. There is now a swab you can do. And what? like, yeah, it's like a mouth swab and they send it off. And it like, I don't know, some smart science thing. What you might yeah, it identifies which, which path you should try. Oh, that's... It's expensive and not a lot. I don't believe insurance covers it. Oh, of course not. But... Of course not. But it's an option. You want to talk about two two examples of healthcare in trouble. (laughs) That's a whole whole separate issue. Yeah. My my prescription is free. What? Oh, but okay. You have universal healthcare in the UK, right? For the moment, until it all completely bombs, but... (laughs) Oh, well, it needs to be a mixture of universal healthcare and ours. Like there needs to, they there need has to, blend. to be a middle ours, ground. Man, ours puts people, makes people homeless. Yeah. I, I just got a bill yesterday for dental work, like a pre-estimate of what I'm going to have to pay. And it shows a breakdown of like, oh, this is what it's going to cost you, which is dumb money. And then it's like, here's the insurance um, says they might cover, might. Like they could change <laughs> their mind might cover and it's like not even half 
So then I was like, what am I? And it's like something I have to have done. Like, do not have a choice to have done. It's like, okay, so I don't have a choice. I have to pay this. And they're like, mm, you know, we'll just pay for half. You have to take the rest of this. That's like a huge bill that like I was not expecting. And if I, if we were in a different sort of financials thing, that would be like, oh, we can't afford rent this month. Like that. That's or scary. you don't do the thing that or, yeah, or saves you, you. You can't do the thing that saves you or helps you. I needed, so I had to get it, um, an echocardiogram, so it's a scan of my heart. And I didn't know that it wasn't just automatically covered on my thing. I was like, yeah, my doctor said I needed it. And then I get a letter, and it's like, it was approved. And I'm like, oh, thank God, because I already got it done. <laughs> yeah, usually sometimes it's after. Like, you've already gotten the work done. And then afterwards, they're like, mm, we thought about it. And we decided we don't want to cover those life-saving efforts that were made. Like, I will look, like, because we, we get new and our insurance changes every almost every year. Well, it doesn't have to change, but you have to, like, re-sign up. Mine just changed, and I was sick last week, and I was like, let me go online and see if it's cheaper for me to go to the ER, to urgent care, or to my primary care. Yeah. And I was like, eh, which one? And it was actually urgent care is cheaper, thank God, because it's faster. Wow. I just, oh, my God. Yeah. We all need help. <laughs> the healthcare. As well. Did I talk? Sorry, this is me excited. Rob's like, what is wrong with her? I do a lot of this. She does a lot of hand motions. I like the air drums, though. Like... <laughs> oh, I do that, too. I like to. You do that a lot, actually. I don't think I've ever pointed that out. My hands are just always moving. Um, did I say, I don't know if I mentioned this on episode one or two of this season. With my new insurance, my copay for therapy went down 50%. I'm so oh, wow. excited. I'm like, oh, so that is something that I'm impressed about, that they're trying to be better about covering therapy. You just have to find the right therapist that takes your insurance. I mean, it took me four months to get that approved. But, like, I had to find – which limits you, of course. But, like, if we can find therapists or mental health support that is covered by insurance, that takes, like, a weight off of it. Because, like, think about how many people don't go to therapy because they can't afford it. From 26 till 28 or 29, I didn't see someone because I couldn't go back to my doctor because it wasn't on her. Yeah. Like, they didn't take my state insurance. Which is all, it's all dumb. The whole thing. Dumb, dumb, dumb. <laughs> I hate it. Just. Um, was there anything else you wanted to touch upon before we do a little wrap up? No, I, I think I'm good. That's, that's me done. It was so good talking to you and just hearing like your perspective, your story, and um, your quips, <laughs> your British quips that Julie and I are gonna go Google later. <laughs> gonna start, I'm gonna get I'm a message later. Just go. So what does this actually mean? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm gonna make a list and send it to you and be like, please define these statements. <laughs> I'm gonna make Abby a list of snacks she has to send you. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we should send you some weird stuff. Do you have? Okay, wait. Off topic again. Do you have Takis? think you can get like get them in sort of americanized shops yeah i mean they're i think they i think they started in south america i have no i don't eat them i had them for the first time in belize but they're spicy so they're so spicy like burn your mouth off spicy like i'm pretty sure they were recalled at one point um <laughs> because they were like burning holes in children's stomachs but <laughs> they're better now i think anyways i eat them even if they are burning a hole in my stomach they're they so are spicy. like neon i'm gonna send you some but you have to like cut a tiny piece and test it and like micro dose it no <laughs> like, that's that's a coward's way out <laughs> i won't even put it in my mouth so i'm a coward she can like smell it across the room and she's like put those away right now put <laughs> <laughs> it away for me i don't like it um no but uh, going back to abby thank you um i really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us i learned a lot thanks for having me i love it thanks yeah, for being my my instagram buddy yeah buddy <laughs> i love it um well that's the end of episode three tune in next week and we'll have a mini episode for everyone um and if you're interested in being on our show we have a long list of people what we are uh, accepting DMs and messages if you want to. <laughs> you just made it seem like we have a list. Of we them. do have a list. Of people. We do, we do. But I'm like picturing a bouncer. Oh, yeah, it's are like you a, on the list? There's a full queue outside of people That's around a big the block. Fan of you nearly saying recruiting. <laughs> we do. Actually, I do. Threatening and or. <laughs> I find someone that I think would be really interesting. I just slide into their DMs and I'm like, so I have this podcast. It's <laughs> it's we talk about mental health issues. Do you want to be on it? And That's a really interesting chat up line. 
I mean, yeah. I mean, I think most I people think are shocked. I think you have by... a mental health issue. Talk to them. No, it's more like it's more like everyone should take care of their mental health. I want to know how you do it in your field. Yeah, but I'm a, like, that's a good way of putting it. I'm like, hi. Do you want to <laughs> talk to me? So I, I just got a comedian to say yes, and I love their work. We do. We do have like a good amount of people that we've conned. I mean, who have accepted to come on the show. And I am so excited because it's like friends that we've talked to, people who have listened to the show, family members who feel obligated um, but love us. It's I, I'm really pumped. I think we have some like great episodes coming up soon. And this one in general. Yeah. This one is our first interview of season two. And we are so pumped to have you. So thank you so much. Thank you. Um, and we'll see everyone next time. Bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at livelaughlorazepam and slide into our DMs to share your story or provide feedback. Make sure you subscribe. Call or text 988, the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline, for free and confidential support to people in suicidal crisis or emotional distress.